Welcome to She Will Not Fall, a podcasting community dedicated to women who are daring to reimagine and redefine their faith, their gift, their call, and how they present them to the world. I'm your host, Marielle, and as always, it is a privilege and a pleasure to be in this sacred space with you. This is season two, y'all, and we're talking about liberation. We only have one more episode left in the season. I can't believe how fast the season has gone. But today I have another amazing guest. But before I dive into today's amazing guest, I want to remind you about a couple of things. One, make sure you follow us on Instagram at She Will Not Fall Collective. If you would like to contribute to the podcast financially, you can go to patreon.com backslash I am Mariel T. Or if you'd like to give a one-time donation, you can check the show notes for how to do that. Today's guest is Reverend Elisa Peterson DeWitt. We had such a great conversation um, around liberation and especially in her work as a chaplain. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Elisa. Elisa is a writer, she's a chaplain, and a mother to many cats and dogs. She is an Anderson University graduate with a Bachelor of Arts in Christian Ministries and a Master's of Divinity degree. She is a credentialed and ordained minister in the Church of God in Westland Holiness Movement. With seven years of church ministry experience and three years of nonprofit experience, Elisa is now serving as a hospital chaplain in Atlanta, Georgia. She is passionate about women in ministry and church leadership, and she works to create a wider, more inclusive table for all people to encounter God. Elisa loves to read, practice yoga, write, and spend time with her husband and their many animals in their humble wooded abode. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. It was really good. Um, So I'm not going to delay it any further. Y'all know what I say every week. Sit back, relax, and let's hear this week why Elisa will not fall. All right, welcome back to another episode of She Will Not Fall. It is season two, and of course, we are talking about liberation, and I have another wonderful guest uh, today. Elisa, I met her on Twitter. I feel like I've met a lot of people That's how I meet everyone these days. I mean, like, I just... <laughs> That's been, yeah, that's been the community. And so Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to have you on the podcast. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I like so appreciate your invitation and follow-up invitation because, you know, (laughs) I was like, I was all over the place moving. (laughs) So I'm so excited that we can finally meet and have this conversation. Of course. So For season two, for us to kind of get to know the personalities of the guests just a little bit. And I know it's a hard question. Everybody said it's a hard question. But (laughs) if you had to describe yourself as a song title or book title, what would it be and why? Oh, my gosh, Marielle. (laughs) So, okay, my first answer, and I told you this before we started, I asked my husband and he said, go look at Taylor Swift's discography. Okay. Well, the first one I picked just based off the title was Mirrorball. Cause you know, I feel like I got a lot of angles and I don't know, that's what I was going for. But then he totally nixed it and I'm saying it anyway. So when he listens to this, he's going to be like, Elisa, that's not what we rehearsed. Cause he was like, what if someone listens to it? And that's not describes you. Anyway, so I guess my formal answer <laughs> will be um, 
Sarah Bessie is one of my favorite authors and like the first book that um, like connected me to her work is called Jesus Feminist. Mm. And when I was thinking about that question, like that book title just kept coming back to me just because I feel like those two things really describe me and my passions well. And even like, there, I feel like there's a lot underneath the surface to that too. So that's going to be my answer. Jesus yeah. Feminist by Sarah Bessie. <laughs> I love it. I love that. Um, so I think that's going to play a good piece into our conversation. I sense it. So <laughs> yeah, of course, we're talking about liberation this season. And usually, you know, there are communal definitions for liberation for different groups of people. Um, mm-hmm. But I always kind of like to start with the person. Um so for you, what does liberation look like for you? Like, what do you need um, in a space or from folks uh, for you to feel liberated? And how do you define that? Hmm. So I like always think of liberation and freedom connected and not in like a patriotic sense at all. That could be another conversation for another time. <laughs> But I think about it in terms of like the self and like the true self. And it was funny because as I was thinking through this, I thought, you know, let me take a pause and like brush up on season two trailer of the podcast. And then I thought, I was like, oh, no, I am like stealing Marielle's answer. But then I thought, no, it's like perfect because you said the same thing like before I even listened to it. And that's totally how I identify is just like coming into your like true and authentic self. Yeah. And I think that's kind of been the consensus is Mm. for most of us, it is being able to be authentic. Like, because I think in so many spaces, we can't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like, you can't really be your whole self. And I was telling a friend, I was like, it is a privilege for a person never to have to think about like, they could just show up wherever they are and just be their whole selves. Like mm-hmm. and that's a privilege that I don't think people realize they have because for mm-hmm. so many of us, unfortunately, we have to kind of code switch in order to survive mm-hmm. in certain, you know, spaces. And I just want to be mean. And I think I'm at that point mm-hmm. now where it's like, whatever, I'm just going to show up and be myself because it's exhausting trying, yeah. <laughs> trying to be a chameleon, like in these different mm-hmm. places. And it's like, no, I just, I just want to be myself. Take it or leave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I think the first step is like really understanding who your true and authentic self is. And I think accepting that with like grace and like how that will evolve too. Like that's been a really big journey for me this past year. Cause I've been doing a resident, a chaplain residency. Um, and part of the program is people always think like, oh, when you're doing a chaplain residency, like you're just learning how to serve patients. It's like, actually, it's like um, JS Park on Twitter described it as like a spiritual surgery. And I thought, oh, like that cut me deep because that's exactly what this experience is. And like really understanding like who my true authentic self is. Oh, that's really good. Since we're talking about that, can we talk a little bit about the work that you're doing and how you are seeing um, liberation show up in those spaces, especially with families that are grieving? Because mm-hmm. you've been a chaplain during the midst of COVID. So mm-hmm. 
kind of tell me how that's been for you and like just tell us a little bit about the work that you do and the ways that you are seeing liberation kind of show up in those spaces. Mm -hmm. I became a chaplain like in the midst of the pandemic so freakishly enough like that's my only context for chaplaincy and that's starting to evolve now like as we're going into like a like slower part of the pandemic and I kind of step back and I'm like oh yeah it's not like this is not really like normal but this is my normal (laughs) so um as a chaplain I accompany sick sick people people that are in pain and the dying which is my favorite like I love being with people at end of life and I find like in many ways my care seekers never heard someone use the word liberation but as I was thinking about this question I see how like they are searching for liberation in a lot of ways whether it's through treatment or they just want to be heard in connection to treatment or in relation to like being in the hospital is like raising another experience for them um And I guess let me take a step back and like explain what a chaplain is and does because I totally jumped in without sharing that. So a chaplain, a lot of people, you might like have an image in your head about what a chaplain is, but we simply offer spiritual and emotional support to people. And we're trained in our faith and we meet, we just meet people where we are. Like that is my simplest definition. So although I grew up Christian and like that's my language and I'm ordained um it's not like an evangelical or evangelistic type ministry it's really like identifying what support and like resources people have and like highlighting them that back to them so I have this quote on my desk that I feel like describes like the work that I do and how liberation can show up for my care seekers. It's, um, it says a healer does not heal you. A healer is someone who holds space for you while you awaken your inner healer so that you may heal yourself. Mm. And I feel like liberation and freedom like is in all of us. It's maybe just a matter of recognizing like the power we have to like come into that. And I feel like as a chaplain, that's a big part of my work, whether I'm advocating for a patient to staff or even to family so that they can hear what this person's wishes or concerns are, or um, helping staff that are feeling oppressed by other staff or even a patient. You know, we've heard a lot about the workplace violence experience like surge with healthcare workers right during the pandemic so um yeah yeah I was gonna ask that like I know that you've been with families um but I've been curious about the doctors and the nurses because I'm sure um especially at the height of the pandemic and then that second surge um mm-hmm. just the emotional toll that um, I'm sure that that has had on the staff, right? Yeah. You know? um, and just probably your presence there can be calming because mm-hmm. I can only imagine how overwhelming um, all of that has been, especially, you know, with hospitals being at capacity and, 
you know, and then you still have to deal with patients who were not dealing with COVID. And so trying mm-hmm. to do all of those things. Yeah, I can only imagine the the grief that sits in that space. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I've been really thinking about, you know, all of doctors, nurses, those who are there in the hospitals, because you're seeing all of that. And Mm -hmm. just the trauma, I think. Yeah. Like, oh, that that has to be heavy. (laughs) That has to be a lot. Um, But I like something that you said when you're talking about interfaith work, um, Mm -hmm. because I think a big issue that I see with um, a lot of us who identify as Christians is we don't know how to help love on, be compassionate Mm -hmm. towards other faiths, like, and being able to be in community with them. And I think we miss Mm -hmm. out, like, when we don't do Mm -hmm. that. And I think that's a part of liberation is to get out of your own bubble. How Mm -hmm. how has that helped you? Because I'm sure you've had to deal with families that didn't believe at all, or, you know, (laughs) like, how has that, like, before you even started your residency, now that you've been in the middle of it, what's kind of shifted for you because you've had to do interfaith work um, Mm -hmm. and and dealing with patients and families who didn't believe like you, but still be a comfort and love on them and be community? Yeah. So, well, that's such a good question. I, in the beginning, like when I would encounter people who, let's say they were angry, a chaplain showed up because they have this idea of a chaplain the anger that I would feel it would make me like I know people listening you can't see me but I'm like curling into myself that's I'd be like okay bye and I would just leave (laughs) (laughs) you don't need me here that's fine but really there's a lot like in my training I've learned to be like there's a lot underneath that anger and an opportunity to lean in so I have a choice there right um whether it's there was a, like a faith element there, you know, or not. And for me, I really try to focus on like accessing compassion, like on a foundational level, not just, oh, you say you're a Christian and I'm ordained. So we connect like, to be honest, I really don't connect with a lot of Christians, like just because of like how I experience like my own faith and spirituality. Yeah. Um. So the foundational for me is like, accessing compassion on a human to human level and that is what I try to keep in my mind like when those experiences come up when I'm encountering people who are very different from me because my theology is that everyone deserves care and compassion because they are human and because they are made in the image of the divine not because of the faith tradition that they adhere to or the works that they do or how much money they make just because they're there in front of me. Like that has like, that's the sole reason that I can love that person. And that can be really hard when these other things (laughs) come up. Right. You know, like I had a patient recently that they were very angry and it wasn't the anger that made me uncomfortable. It was the things that they were saying that was like, it kept creating these barriers. Mm -hmm. And I just remember in my mind, I'm like, this is a human in pain. This is a human in pain. Like just trying to focus on that so that I could love them and be present well. 
that's beautiful. Um, yeah, I I agree with you. I don't identify or connect with a lot of people <laughs> who <laughs> identify as Christians because I see things I think differently. Um, mm-hmm. I and I think a key piece for me with liberation is I I literally want all people to be free. I don't. Yeah. You don't have to believe like I do, think like mm-hmm. I do, walk like I do. Like. I want us to be able to walk in the wholeness of who we are, but like you're saying, being able to connect with people on a human and a compassion level. That's what Mm. I long for. Like Mm. that, because I think some of us, and I don't know about your, how you grew up, but like, sometimes I feel like the way that certain theology was presented to us, is like, we take care of our own because, you know, we're in this world. We're not of it. So we need to have our own thing. We don't Uh care about those people out there. Right. Like only time we care about the the people out there is like when we're gonna go on a missions trip. Uh-huh. But <laughs> like that was it. Like it's this is our world. And then missions trips were a lot of times trying to convert people over and disrupt their yeah. rituals and practices. Yeah. That's a whole nother topic. Yeah. But you know, but to me, the power of God is through the connection of humanity. Mm-hmm. And that we're connected and that we can love each other and still be in community together and all of those things and become better, even though we don't agree, let's say religion wise, that we mm-hmm. become better in who we are because we are connected. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that. I, I really think that I wish all of us could get to that po- <laughs> to that place because go ahead. Well, it's like, you're just making me laugh because I had someone recently in the hospital say that to me. They're like, I admire you because I have my faith and my faith says that this is the way that it is and everyone else is wrong, but you, and it was like, they were kind of putting me up on this pedestal and I was just giggling because I'm like, but we all have that capacity. I mean, I believe, and like, maybe it's naivety, but like, I really believe like we all have the capacity to love everyone or to love others not because of their faith but just because like they're there and they're human and it's like I have found it's a kind of like I guess a discipline or a training like I hope for it and I also know that is a work we have to do because we're not naturally going to love people that feel difficult you know or people that look different than us like we have to work for that absolutely Do you feel like, and I know, you know, I kind of wanted to shift here, but I'm just curious. So of course, one of the things that we've been talking about this season is systems of oppression and things Mm -hmm. and how we can knock down those systems and kind of what we're talking about, I feel is a system. Like, I feel like Mm -hmm. when we're told that only this, our group of people who think like us, only people who think like us matter. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is a system meant to divide and meant mm-hmm. to almost strip away mm-hmm. um, basic human compassion. And I don't know if if you agree with that or if you want to expound mm-hmm. upon that a little bit more and maybe what you've seen um, just in your residency, um, how that maybe has played out um, and maybe ways that we can remove those barriers, remove um to me, I think, again, a system um, that seeks to divide us as opposed to unite us. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always thought about, I think, at least for this question, I thought about like macro systems, but now Mm -hmm. that 
like as we're talking I'm just thinking about it like yeah that belief a person has is kind of like a micro system in a way and I've always been like a curious questioner and that you know that gets me in trouble and that's why I went to seminary because I just had all these questions um so I, I I guess for me like if I have you know, I have these thoughts, but I've also always had questions. So I've always like wanted to look at the other side um, or just be curious. And I kind of wonder maybe if that's what's like missing is like this curiosity. Like, I mean, I love certainty as much as the next person, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I feel like nothing in this world is like guaranteed to be certain. So I wonder, you know, how much curiosity could play a role in knocking down these types of systems just being open and wondering yeah that's so good because I've never really thought about this so we're unpacking this in real time this is great so (laughs) yes um, I think curiosity is a huge part of liberation Mm. and the problem that I think a lot of people can't have liberation is because curiosity is stripped from them based off of religious reasons right so like you are given like you're saying you're given certainty like Mm -hmm. you are given this and it's like this is what's true and Mm -hmm. even if you are naturally curious most times a lot of spaces don't welcome that or it's been trained out of you that part right so Mm -hmm. it's I think that is a beautiful idea is that there has to be some form of curiosity that can lead to people's liberation. Cause that makes you explore. That makes mm-hmm. you ask questions that makes mm-hmm. you consider like, mm-hmm. is there something else? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so many folks have had that stripped from them. Um, so for instance, a lot of people feel like you can't question God because people mm-hmm. have told them you can't do that. Like, mm-hmm. God is God. And I'm like, if I would never serve a God that would buckle under the weight of my questions, like that don't even make sense. Like I should Uh be able to bring questions to God. Mm -hmm. I should be able to bring my anger to God. Like Mm -hmm. I would say, God is a big spirit. God can take care of God's self. God is is not intimidated. So I think so often in our religious spaces that gets stripped from us and we're not able to be curious and ask questions. Mm -hmm. We are giving what somebody has told us this is certainty that's Mm -hmm. beautiful I don't think I've ever thought about that before I haven't either until we start talking about it Uh, it, my curiosity I guess (laughs) led to that because I also wonder like at least for me and like my experience say like in church and being curious it was always like oh well even if you start to question then you get married to what's on the other side but like in my real life experience like that has not been true at all Mm -hmm. I can be curious and want to know about say a person that's has a different faith than me but that doesn't mean like their whole thing is going to become my own it's just like oh okay now I know and I feel like in that like that's where the compassion can come because then I can better understand a person and be able to connect with them and then it's like okay that's an open door not like whoa I got sucked in and now I lost myself (laughs) And that, that's what we were taught. Like, mm-hmm. to me, if something is certain, if you're telling me something is truth, right? Mm-hmm. Me going to explore it and test it to see if it actually is truth will not damage it in any way. So right. for me, it makes sense that you should encourage people to go explore. 
Like, mm-hmm. this is what we're saying. Mm-hmm. But we want you to go and explore and investigate and be curious and ask questions and all of those things because mm-hmm. truth will never not be truth. Truth will never been truth like it just it's not so if this is truth mm-hmm. i don't care what you go do <laughs> like i don't care right. how we like it's going to stand so i think mm-hmm. that that's that is a really critical piece of that and i want people to have more exploration like i because mm-hmm. and for me like as a person who identifies as a jesus follower i'm really starting to have a problem and struggle with calling myself a christian just because of some of the yeah things. I'm just be honest. Um, <laughs> I hear you. But as a person who is a Jesus follower, there are tenants in other faiths that I think are beautiful and that mm-hmm. like I sit with, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so it does not strip away my belief, you know, in Jesus. But for me, I love pillars of other faiths. I love how they see something. And I have adopted mm-hmm. that, like that, that I connect to that. So we yeah. can learn from each other, even though we may not agree. Right. Yeah. That reminds me of a, one of my like favorite quotes or ideas. I can't quote it perfectly, but Rob Bell, everyone hold on. Okay. Like I, I love Rob Bell, so don't burn me. But he talked about the divine kind of being like a gem and like, or say like a diamond. And like you like every time you turn it, like you see something differently or like the light hits it differently and like from different angles and I just the when you're talking about like different tenets because that's totally how I experience and practice my spirituality too is like there's like these different like beauties and truths coming in to like my understanding of the divine like every time I look or you know at a different angle or I'm curious and it just like continues to enrich my experience that's beautiful I love that so as you think about what you want to work on for the future and, you know, what you are seeing ahead, what are some mm-hmm. ways that you want to continue, continue liberative work? Um, will you stay in the chaplain space or do you see something else that you would like to do? Um, and, you know, to keep helping people with liberation. I totally my dog is in here with me and he, I guess, has an answer too. I don't know if you can hear him, but he's back there speaking up. Um, I have totally fallen in love with the work of chaplaincy because I love, I never know who I'm going to meet on the other side of that door. Like I really feel the interfaith piece enriches me. So um, that's where I hope to stay. And um, it challenges me as I, continue to learn how to love other people well, you know, learn how to speak up, increase my conflict management and resolution skills. Um, I find that that's really important, like in chaplaincy, in healthcare, and especially when we think about liberation, right? Because I feel, you know, liberation is really important in community and helping come alongside other people. And when someone feels like they don't have a voice, someone else can speak up for them. And um, I find that a lot in my work. I love it. Yeah. I just had this memory, like, um, like a few years ago, my mom, she was having um, some type of surgery. Like it was like, a, uh, it wasn't the 
major surgery she would have later on, but they were doing like an exploratory surgery, mm-hmm. trying to figure something out. And I remember sitting in the waiting room. I'm pretty sure it was at Emory. Mm-hmm. And um, there was a family. I think they were like an Indian family and they were like behind us. And I remember them circling up and they started praying, but I knew they weren't mm-hmm. Christians. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was listening to them pray in mm-hmm. their tongue and in mm-hmm. their expressive religion. And I felt so connected. Like, I don't oh. know if that makes sense. Cause I'm sitting yeah. there, they were like right next to me. And there was mm-hmm. such a beauty in that. Like, mm-hmm. um, and I remember I started praying, but in my faith for their mm-hmm. family member, because I think something serious was going on. Mm-hmm. And I think about that moment sometimes. And I'm like, we genuinely are con- like, I didn't know we're what so they were connected. We're so connected. It's like, mm-hmm. I didn't know what they were saying, but I could feel the human emotion of them crying out to mm-hmm. um, their higher power, to the person that they're like, we don't know what's about to happen. And so mm-hmm. I remember sitting there and I started praying for their family member. I didn't know who their family member was, what was going on. But that moment, it felt so beautiful and sacred. And I mm-hmm. felt connected to it. Mm-hmm. That was super powerful for me because I think that was the first time I was like, wow, like this is what being like truly interconnected really means. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. we probably have totally different life experiences, totally different faiths, but listening to them cry out and pray Mm -hmm. just felt like I felt like I was right there with them. Like I could understand every word they were saying, though I didn't. It was amazing. It was really powerful. I feel like that contributes to like liberation on both sides, right? Because imagine if, you know, the total opposite were to happen, like God forbid someone came in and was like, no, you can't do that here. Like that's not allowed. But instead it like created this like feeling of like love and support and openness. And I'm just thinking about like, where is that family now? Oh, they probably are like carrying that love with them and continue to, feel liberated that they can show up in spaces and like practice that and the same for you because then mm-hmm. you're probably like can exercise that in other opportunities yeah. too yeah I did, that just I don't know why that just it triggered that thought and I just That's so beautiful that, that memory um yeah so I am really grateful for the work that you are doing I know mm-hmm. that especially <clears throat> during the midst of the pandemic was a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I can only imagine, um, like I say, the trauma and the grief and all of those things. And so um, your presence was needed. Before we end this, I do want to ask this question because I do think this is an important part of liberation and that is self-care. Mm-hmm. And because you have had to be with families who are grieving, um, you've seen um, death, you've seen, you know, people be in a space of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be a lot like to carry that and all that. So what are some ways that um, you are engaging in self-care and, you mm-hmm. know, to try to care about people but not try to take all of that on because <laughs> you know what I'm saying um yeah what are some ways that you try to rest and take care of yourself so you can continue to do the work that you're doing mm. 
rest is so foundational for for me and my work personally like I cannot um I cannot go to work having only slept like two hours like I know I cannot be my best self (laughs) type of thing um my educator like has said this to me a few times and it's always stuck with me like especially when I've been processing like really difficult experiences that have stuck with me more than others and like at the end of me rehashing everything he'll say to me can you let them go Mm -hmm. um and that has really stuck with me because in some ways you know I really believe the people that I meet that I get to love and be present with they'll always be a part of the tapestry of my life you know I feel like they taught me so much and I really if I see their name come up like I I can I can recognize like their names so they're with me but also I've had to let them go in a way of recognizing you know I was there in that space for a time and a reason and there was a beginning and an end Mm -hmm. and when I leave that space I have to you know like release I guess my role in a way and that has been a big learning curve um especially as a helper, you know, and a ministry leader, that's really hard because you love your people and you want to keep doing, but also I feel like being is the most important and there can be an end to the being with people. Um, So I guess that's part of my answer. And then the other part is like, I really just try to turn it off when I'm home. I really think having fun is important because I watch people die all the time and there's a lot of beauty and sacredness and gratitude in that but also like I love to have fun and I think chaplains are like some of the silliest people like you'll ever meet we love to crack jokes and have fun and um I have a lot of dogs so when I'm home I just love to spend time with my family and my dogs and read books and just do things that nourish me um yes drink tea eat good food you know really listening to my body and what she needs, I feel like is important um, for my self-care and how that evolves too. Yeah. I think what you said, um, can you let them go is, it made me think about, and don't ask me like who the person was in the scripture. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm not there yet. Maybe (laughs) after seminary, but I'm not there yet. So um, where basically to shake the dust off of your feet once you left Mm. that city and you move to the next Uh and I think in the context it was saying go there do it if people don't receive it that's fine shake the dust off your feet and go on but I see it in a different way Mm -hmm. it's when I have engaged with someone this was this moment Mm -hmm. that once it is done let it go like shake the dust off your feet and then move to the next assignment. And that's that's kind of what I got from that because I think I'm like you, like I hold on <laughs> to like things and people. I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's like, no, I did what I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. That was for this season, this moment, this time. Mm-hmm. Let that go because I got to move on to the next thing. And so I'm still learning that because sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's well, very hard. Like those moments will come back to you. You know, I feel like there's like a little bit of, like nuance there you know like I still think about the the patients that I met two years ago or last year but not in a like oh I can't stop thinking about them but it's like that moment is still teaching me yeah 
Yeah, that's good. I'm I hold on to things in that where I still feel everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like mm-hmm. I have to learn to let it be a memory, but also like you say, a consistent teachable moment for me, but mm-hmm. not to the point where it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I would have done this and this and that. Like that's the anxiety part. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> but I hear you. still learning <laughs> to do that. So yeah. So First of all, thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on the podcast. You know, I've been wanting you on for a little bit, so it feels thank good you so that, much. to have the conversation. Before we wrap up this episode, what are some ways that people can follow you? If there's anything that you want to promote, feel free to do so. How can we follow you and support you? Um, well, when I'm online, I'm mostly on Twitter. Um and that handles A-R-P DeWitt, D-E-W-I-T-T. Um, I just, I love Twitter. I think it's, it can be, you know, like a dumpster fire, but also really beautiful. So if you want to connect, that's where I am. I have a website and a newsletter, but I'm not really writing just because of the season that I'm in right now. I don't have capacity. So I hope to start, you know, maybe in the summer. Um, so you are welcome to go to my website. It's the same as my handle, ARPDeWitt.com. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. This was so fun and, um, so timely too, right? (laughs) Yes, exactly. So I'm grateful. And like I say, I'm really grateful for the work that you are doing because it is really, really needed. And I remember being in that space, um, just needing that comfort and, um, just how great the chaplains were. Like they were just a lifeline because I thought I was going to go crazy. Like it was, it was a lot. It was like, um, but chaplains are such a critical piece um, mm. to that, and um, to just bring in calm. And mm-hmm. all those so thank you for for what you're doing, and then of course again, thank you for spending a little time with me on the podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs>